Well, I got ready to preach first service, and the Holy Spirit said to me, put away the second half of your sermon because you're not going to get to it because he wants to minister to people this morning and we need to carve out time for that. So how many of you believe you came here because God wants to touch you this morning, that there's something God wants to speak to you and we want to be good soil? You know, the Bible says that God gave us hearts that are tender and responsive. Have I got any tender, responsive hearts out there? All right, good. Three of you. Great. Awesome. Uh, Let's try that again. Tender, responsive hearts. Wave at the Lord. That's me, Lord, tender and responsive. We're in a series now called Guard Your Hearts or Matters of the Hearts, teaching us how to protect our hearts through all the different seasons of life. Paul said, I've learned to be content when I've got a lot. I've learned to be content when I have little. We learn to be content through seasons of envy when somebody else has a lot and I don't, then I'm not going to be jealous of them. And last week, we talked about how to guard our hearts through the storms of life. But this Sunday, I want to talk to you about something that I think is probably the most wicked and evil of all the things that take our heart out, and one that we need to be more aware of than probably any other attack of the enemy. It's what happens when our hearts get disappointed. How many of you have ever prayed or believed God or, or, or you know, stuck your neck out in faith, and, and whatever it was you were believing for did not quite work out the way you hoped? Anybody out here in that situation? How many of you, have, how many of you believe God heals people? Okay, good. But how many of you have ever prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed? Okay. How many of you have uh, ever experienced uh, a shocking disappointment? I mean, profound disappointment, a hurt, a rejection of some kind, a wound of some kind. All right. I'm just looking around. I mean, to be alive is to be disappointed. To be breathing is to experience disappointment. And what happens when disappointment creeps in, if you're not careful, is on the heels of disappointment comes the worst thing imaginable for your heart. It's called unbelief. Unbelief. Unbelief is when you go through the motions of church and motions of religion and motions of a relationship with God, but because of wounds in the past, you've grown hardened and callous, and you're not really sure you can trust God with your heart, or you're not really sure you can trust God with your problems, or you've just concluded that God just doesn't do that anymore, whatever that is. And I don't know about you, but disappointment is profound. Disappointment has its goal to take faith out of your heart. And the way faith leaves your heart is through unbelief. How many of you know the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God? How many of you think faith's important? The Bible says through faith, we overcome the world. So if the devil goes after your faith, the one main way he's going to do it is through unbelief. But he doesn't hit you right with unbelief. He usually comes with a disappointment, which opens your heart to a spirit of unbelief. And let me just say this, because it's the truth, all right? Any of us that have been in the battle and this journey called life and this fight, and, you're, and you've, you've walked with God for any term, term of time, you're going to have to fight a spirit of unbelief. Uh, And I would say this, all of us this morning need to be open to letting God put a fresh infusion of faith into our hearts. Uh, because we just get we just get weary. I prayed with a dear woman this morning, just weeping. She was weary over her children and their lack of faith and what was going on. She said, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. And she just wept in my arms. There may be some of you here today, you're just tired. And you need breakthrough. And breakthrough comes in here before it is manifested out here. 
Breakthrough always starts on the inside. It starts here sometimes, and then it manifests externally. But the breakthrough has to start with you, and it has to start with me, and it has to start in our hearts. So I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 1. Uh, it's great to get into the, uh, to the early portions of the Gospels, especially during the holiday season where we read about Jesus and some of the amazing uh, wonder and miracles that took place at the birth of our Savior. So let's take a look in Luke chapter 1 uh, and beginning a reading in verse 5. It says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife was also, by the way, her name was Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now, I want you to see what's going on here. We got two people who are married that both come from ministry families. Now, how many of you pretty much grew up in the church, you'd say you were a church kid? Anybody besides me? I've been doing this for about five decades, all right? Now, here's the problem. Good things happen, bad things happen. How many of you know being raised in church is a good thing? But the problem is you can become too familiar with the Lord and too familiar with the Word and too familiar with the culture to where you begin to take it for granted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you, like you're like an expert. Oh, I know how this rolls. Oh, I know what they do. Oh, I know what's going to come next. Oh, I've read that passage before. Oh, I used to believe that. Or I, yeah, I, I like that song. I don't like that song. You know, we get become church critics. You may know what I'm talking about. You get so familiar. I like to call Zachariah and Elizabeth uh, preacher's kids, all right? They're PKs. They grew up in a family of religious people. In fact, they grew up in the priestly family. Their parent, their dad, was responsible for ministering to the people. So how many of you know you can be church-wise... And I just want to say this, you know, I got eight youngins. The worst thing that could happen for my kids is that they grow up and be religious and familiar with holy things. Did you hear what I just said? You never want to be familiar with what's holy. You want to always have a sense of awe, a sense of respect, a sense of a healthy fear of the Lord, a healthy sense of expectation that God can do anything and he likes to do anything and everything. And you need to have your heart full like that. So these guys are preacher's kids. That's what I'm calling them. And Zechariah, look at, look at verse 6. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. In other words, when God looked at them, he was pleased with them. He, he was happy with them. They were righteous people. They were careful to obey the Lord's commandments and his regulations. But here's the problem. This is where the disappointment comes in. Maybe you can relate. It says they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and then, I mean, you know, when you're hoping for children and you're dealing with the sting of infertility, it says at the very end here, oh, and by the way, they were both very old. Not just old, very old. Now, how many of you know we were goofing around a few weeks ago about the Polish Silver Group, and if you were approaching 60, you could attend. These guys weren't approaching. These guys were polished gold, all right? They were, they were not older people. They were not seniors. They were very senior, all right? And I think that word very is in there to emphasize kind of the bleakness of their situation. Now, here's the irony of this. Pretend I'm using, I'm using New Testament terms, but Zechariah is a pastor. And in those days, as the priest or as the pastor, uh, many people viewed infertility, rather, as a sign of God's displeasure. God was upset. God was, had a curse on you or upon your family. Some way God was not satisfied or he was not pleased with you. 
And so infertility was viewed as a sign of God's displeasure. But here's what I want you to see. Was God displeased with this couple? No. In fact, God says in his eyes, they were righteous. Now, can I just tell you, one of the things the devil will do is get you to believe in a reality that's completely opposite of the truth. So here he is every week. He's trying to minister to God's people. They're dealing with the pain of child, childlessness. And who knows how much judgment's coming back on him because somehow God's not happy with this priest because if God were happy with them, then they would have kids. But they don't, so obviously he must be doing something wrong. I mean, people think this way. You know what I'm talking about. People judge people this way. The irony of the situation is God is crazy about this couple. He loves them. He's proud of them. They're righteous in his eyes. Can I just tell each one of you this morning, you are righteous in God's eyes in Christ Jesus. He's crazy about you this morning. I told you, you're all, we all deal with unbelief. That's okay, just suck it up. Sometimes the hardest thing for us to believe is God's great affection for us. Sometimes the hardest thing to believe is the grace of God and the favor of God on our lives because we're dealing with the sting of disappointment. And because it hurts so much, we can't really believe that God's really that crazy about us because we think if he was, we wouldn't be going through what we're going through. But the fact is, going what you're going through has nothing to do with God's affection for you. And this is an important truth to believe. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that God is crazy about me? <laughs> Christmas! For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be born for you and for me and to die for us. He has not changed his heart or affection for any person in this room. He's crazy about you. He loves you. And those of us in Christ, God looks at us and we're righteous and he's for us. And we need to remember this and believe this because this is the first area where the disappointment comes in. We get disappointed with God, but the second lie is we think God's disappointed with us. And he's not. At this very moment, when he's going through what he's going through, and he's focusing on the fact that they've got no kids, and he's very old, and things seem hopeless, and he's disappointed, God is crazy about him. The Bible says they were righteous in God's sight. Now let's look at the next verse. Verse 8 begins with two words which I absolutely love. Everybody say, one day. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. Now, let me just share with you. We have all kinds of days, right? Good days, bad days, but how many know there's days called one day? What's one day? It's the day when God shows up. It's the day when a normal, everyday day becomes a one day. It becomes a day that sticks out in your life. But most people miss their one days because they weren't on duty. It says that he was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty. There's something about being where you're supposed to be and being faithful in what God has entrusted you to do. Some people, when the disappointment comes, they get so hurt and unbelief comes in their heart and they just throw up their hands and they just say, I quit. Have you ever been there? I quit. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with church. I'm done with life group. I'm done with people. I'm done with this. I'm done with God. I, in fact, people are falling off the ship uh, left and right. They get disappointed. This man was on duty, and I just want to encourage you, be a believer who's where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do in the good days and the bad days and the every days, but also if you'll do that as a lifestyle, there will be the one day that's coming. 
Now, my father was a faithful man, all right? My dad, I remember times he'd have a, a raging fever, and he would show up and preach, all right? I say, Dad, how you feeling? Well, not so good, but, but, but the grace of God is coming and the healing of God is coming. And you know what? He was ready. He'd stand in this pulpit, and by the time second service was over, the fever had lifted, and the, the anointing showed up, and you know what he did? He was faithful in delivering the word of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying we can't ever take sick days, or some days you shouldn't be home if you're not feeling well. I'm not saying any of that, but I'm just saying this. It took a lot to knock him out of the pulpit. Because he understood his calling and he understood faithfulness. I remember when my dad didn't just get one hip done. He got both hips done at the same time. It was like a two-for-one deal. Some of you remember that. Now, I'm always amazed when they do hip surgeries because they get you up walking like right away. And I'm always picturing like Barbie or, you know, G.I. Joe. Their legs can go out like that. And, and I'm picturing them like step, my dad stepping up to the pulp and his legs just shooting out sideways and him, him doing a split, you know. But he understood that follow-through and duty and doing what you're called to do matters to God. And can I just tell you, be faithful with what God's given you. Trust him and be faithful with the responsibility he's just charged to you. How many life group leaders are out there and you've had you know, your life group nights showing up and you had a week from H-E double toothpick and you got all these people showing up and they're expecting you to love them and have brownies and stuff like that and... Uh, and be happy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And some days you're like, oh man, I could use a night just to relax. But what do you do? You step into the grace zone, you show up at your post, and guess what? God shows up. I know people who were praying and seeking God and crying out for deliverance or breakthrough or healing, and guess what? God set up a one day, but they didn't show up. How many of you have come to church when you didn't feel like it, and you had the week from hell, and you're struggling, and maybe you're not feeling the greatest, but you showed up, and God met you in a powerful way because you were at your post? I can't believe they sang that song. Pastor, I can't believe you preached from that verse. I just read that verse this week. Now, I'm not running around surveying you all to figure out what my message is going to look like based on what your quiet time was like or what song you like on the radio or whatever. The Holy Spirit created an encounter with him because you were on duty at your post. And a normal day became a one day when God broke through. I mean, there's just something about faithfulness that matters to God. And I want to encourage some of you, if you're standing and you're fighting and you're believing, stay at your post. Don't retreat. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't run the opposite direction. Be faithful to God. And God will be faithful to you and he'll honor you. So I love the fact that one day Zacharias was serving God in the temple. He was on duty. Man, in this world today, when people don't take responsibility serious, be a man or a woman who's faithful and be on duty. It says in verse 9, as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. And the Bible says, while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And I want you to look at what happened in verse 11. When, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Now, this is what happens when angelic beings show up. Zechariah acted accordingly. It says he was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. 
But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And in fact, I've got a name for you. You don't even have to do the work. His name is going to be John. Now, this is incredible. He's at his post. And as he's going through his assigned duty to minister to God and to minister to the people, God shows up. He sends a ministering spirit. They're called angels. How many of you know God still sends ministering spirits? That's why angels exist. But can I just encourage you? We have something better than angels, even though I appreciate angels coming to assist us, whether we see them or not. We have the Holy Spirit. What separates any day from a one day is a divine encounter with God. How many of you, when you got born again, that was a divine encounter with God? God changed you on the inside. He gave you a new heart. You're not, you know you're not the same person you used to be. Wave at me if that's you, all right? But here's the problem. How many divine encounters should one experience before heaven? Lots. Some people pray a prayer and ask Christ into their life and experience some kind of supernatural transformation, and then that's the end of their experience with God. But how many of you know every divine encounter with the Lord is an opportunity for breakthrough, for healing, for encouragement? It turns an any day into a one day that we always remember. How many of you remember the day when you submitted to the Holy Spirit, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and heaven came down and glory filled your soul? Come on. And you were transformed. You were, you were made aware of a whole other realm of power and beauty and glory and holiness in the Holy Spirit. How many of you realize you can know the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with Him? How about when the first time God spoke to you? How about the first time when you got encountered in worship? I, I was talking with a great brother this week whose wife looked at him last Sunday and she said, are you okay? What is the matter with you? The reason she asked her big, tough, burly man that question is because he was crying all the way through the service because God was rocking his heart. That's the Holy Spirit. How many times do we need an encounter with God? As many as we can handle. Because it's the encounters with God that awaken our heart. It's the encounters with God that remind us that he loves us and he's near. It's the encounters with God that change things. And it's the encounters with God that drive unbelief out of our hearts. So check this out. Here's my point. This is a man who should know better. This is a priest. This is someone who ministers in the presence of God. This is somebody who knows the law of God, knows the history of Israel, and an angel shows up and starts downloading this amazing uh, answer to prayer. First of all, I want you to see this. The first thing out of the angel's mouth after he tries to calm Zechariah down is he said, God has heard your prayer. Some of you need to hear that today. God heard your prayers. He hears your prayers. He's listening to your prayers. Your voice is not in vain. He loves the sound of your voice. He's heard your prayers. There's a one day coming when God's going to tell you, I've been listening. There's a day coming when God's saying, I told you so, when I'm going to confirm my word. Don't give up your wrestling in prayer. Don't give up your post where you're on duty. Keep pressing into God. Keep going after those encounters with the Lord. And listen to what this, this angel begins to say. After your wife, who's very old, is going to give you a son, and you're going to name him John. Verse 14, you will have great joy and gladness. And many are going to rejoice at the birth of John. He's going to be great. 
in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks because he is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. This is amazing. He's going to turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause all those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. I mean, this is incredible news. Not just that your wife and you who are way beyond the years of childbirth are going to have a supernatural child, but this child's not going to be just a normal kid. This child is going to be named John. In fact, we call him John the Baptist. This guy is a radical. This guy is the forerunner. This guy is going to proclaim the word of the Lord and the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. This is John the Baptist, the guy that eats locusts and honey and wild locusts and wears crazy outfits. You know who I'm talking about. This this is your kid. You're going to rejoice. This is amazing. I mean, this is good news. News to rejoice about. And let me just say this. I want to pull something out of here. This whole passage about he must not touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, that's referring to a Nazarite vow. That was when you set yourself apart either for a season or for your lifetime to be dedicated to the Lord. Now, I just want to share with you our understanding or our our vision here at Living Stones. We know there are many people that we touch here. In fact, they come here and they're hurt and they're broken and they're addicted and they're wounded. Sometimes they're addicted to alcohol. Sometimes they've been addicted to drugs. But, but they're looking for healing and restoration. How many of you want to create an atmosphere here where we're not a stumbling block to people because of our liberty, but where we are a blessing to people because of our consecration to God? And because while there's legitimate earthly pleasures, we can push aside legitimate pleasures for greater pleasures. In fact, the Bible said, don't be drunk with wine wherein there's excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want. I want this to be a place where people are magnetized by the Holy Spirit to come because there's such a powerful sense of the presence of God to break yokes of bondage off people's lives. So you say, well, pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying this, Jesus was a Nazarite, or or John the Baptist was a Nazarite, Samuel was a Nazarite. There have been people that God raised up through history that set themselves apart for the purposes of God. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? Spell it out. Here's what I'm saying. Set yourself apart for the purposes of God. Consecrate yourself to the Holy Spirit. Consecrate yourself to being a part of the mission of God. And all we do here as far as Living Stones is the reason we're not having beer gardens and whatever else uh, uh, at Living Stones is because on this property and in our ministry and all the different ministries, we want the Holy Spirit's presence more than we want a kegger. All right? We want the presence of Jesus more than we want the presence of alcohol. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not spirits. You, you can go to the local bar and, and be full of the spirits, but you need to come to church to be full of the spirit. And so this baby was going to be filled with the spirit even from his mother's womb. This is a special child. Here's the problem. Look at what happens next. Verse 18. This is the deadening effect of unbelief. Zechariah says to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man. And my wife, I'm paraphrasing, she ain't no spring chicken either. All right? 
an angel shows up and tells you, God has heard your prayer. You're a priest. You're an old priest. You've been around a while. And he starts telling you, this is the name of the kid. And this is what this kid's going to do, what God's going to do through this kid. And this is great news. And your first question is, I don't really see how that's going to happen. Because you're more in touch with your limitations than you are with the promise of God. And I want you to see what happens next. This is crazy. I love this passage. Verse 19, then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I'm paraphrasing. Dude, do you know who's standing here talking to you? I'm an angel. In fact, not just any old angel. Look at what it says next. I stand in the very presence of God. In fact, I'm not here on my own initiative. It's God who sent me to bring you this good news. Can you see how blinding unbelief is? If God sent you an angel named Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, who's pretty awesome, and you're scared to death at the first encounter, and now you're arguing with him about why this can't happen, you might have a problem with unbelief. He's looking at him incredulously like, what is the problem with you? I just gave you news that you should be celebrating about, and you're telling me you're not really seeing how is this going to happen. How can I be sure this is going to happen? So I want you to see what God says in verse 20. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you're going to be silent and unable to speak. In the Hebrew, that word refers to people who are deaf and dumb. You're going to be deaf and dumb, until this child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I mean, you know, the job of a priest was to represent, um, to speak on behalf of God, to hear God and speak on behalf of God for the people. Let me ask you this question. What good is a priest who can't hear and can't speak? Good for nothing. And what did God say? Listen to me. If your life is filled with unbelief and doubt and disappointment to where you question God's certain promises for your life, you might as well be deaf and dumb. You're not going to hear God, and you're not going to be able to speak on behalf of God. I mean, this is serious, because the Bible says we are a kingdom of priests. What is our assignment on planet Earth? to know God, to love God, to hear God, and to speak on behalf of the Lord and to bring people, reconcile people back to God. So what does God say? Okay, I send you my best. I send you, I send you a serious angel. He's telling you some pretty great, awesome news, and you're stumbling over your own unbelief and saying, how can I be certain? So the, so the final word of the Lord here, which I think is interesting, is simply, you're going to not be able to talk because you're going to see that my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I'm sure he was going back in the Rolodex of his mind and saying, you know, if you could have just come about 30 years earlier, this might have had a possibility, or 40 years earlier, but hey, big fellow, you're a little bit late. How many of you have ever felt like that way with the Lord? Like, Lord, that's great. I I used to believe you for that, but I stopped about 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I just want to ask you this question. How many of you have given up on your assignment? You've left your post of duty, or you've given up on a promise from God for your life simply because it hasn't happened yet. You don't have to raise your hand, but I, ask you, I want you to think about that. What is it in your life that you believe God can no longer do or that he's past due and therefore it's overdue and therefore not going to happen? 
because that's where unbelief creeps in. Now, I don't believe uh, that any of my encounters with people are happenstance or accidental. I believe my steps are ordered of the Lord. How about you? So I was out walking through the foyer early this morning, and when people were coming for first service, and I had a wonderful couple come up to me, bubbling with good news, and this is what she told me. She said, Pastor, I was born with a uh, defective heart valve. I've been going to heart doctors all my life. Um, The problem with my heart is, I guess, on the valve, there's supposed to be three flaps closing that heart valve in between beats. In my heart, there's only two flaps, and so I end up having problems. She said about three years ago, she had faith come into her heart that God not only can heal people of broken things, right? Like if you have a broken bone, God can mend it. But God can do creative miracles where something didn't exist. God can grow it or create it because he's God. And she said, I began to have faith in my heart that even though my heart valve was born the way that it is, that God could add the third flap of skin or whatever's supposed to be there on that valve to make the valve work properly. She said, I just got back from my last visit, and the doctor was perplexed. He's not a believer. He said, your valve is a normal valve. And he said, he said that's not supposed to happen. That's, and, and he said, I'm not sure what's going on here. I'm going to have to dig into this more. And she started witnessing and, you know, obviously bubbling over with joy and just going crazy. She said, I, doctor, I have been asking Jesus for the last three years to heal my heart valve. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm going to make it real. That's the beauty of the local church. For every testimony like that, there's probably 10 of you out here who know somebody that either still has a heart condition or that after you prayed for them, died of a heart condition. And in your mind, you're going, yay, I think. That seems a little bit weird. Does God still do that? Because we tend to base our theology on what we experience, not on what God says. So sometimes, check this out, some people get so full of unbelief, they build a whole theology that basically says God doesn't act that way anymore. Then they don't have to believe God for healing or cry out to God or, get their, or stick their neck out there or, or pray or anything like that. They can just say, well, God doesn't act that way anymore, and they can just live defeated lives. But how many of you know God's the same yesterday, today, and forever? And God loves people. God's love for people has not changed. So, so here's, here's what I'm saying to you. When you hear somebody else get a crazy breakthrough, and then in your mind you're going, well, we prayed for that once, and so far nothing's happened, you have to check whether the delay has caused unbelief to creep into your heart. Because your one day might be next week, but you might be checked out. And if you're checked out, you miss what God wanted to do because you didn't think he was going to do it to you, because you already made up your mind, you're too old, or you're too this, or you're too that, and and you're beyond God's touch. Can I just say something else? I've been around here long enough to see this happen. We've gone through seasons when it seems like we pray for people, and we don't get the answer that we're hoping for. Anybody been disappointed with that? What's the devil trying to do? Anthony, quit praying for people, dude. God doesn't do that. That that church is a cult. 
They don't, God doesn't heal people anymore. Stop it. Just suck it up. Go on. In fact, do something else on Sunday because God must be sleeping, taking a nap. He must be dead, whatever. But then this is what happens. There are seasons when the presence of God is tangibly experienced in ways that are unbelievable. And where everybody you pray for gets healed. I don't understand the ebbs and flows of God's presence and of what God's doing. But can I just encourage you, you're never too old, you're never too far gone, the situation is never too hard for God. God can do creative miracles, God can heal cancers, God can deliver from anything, God can create stuff that doesn't exist. He's done it before, he'll do it again. But he'll only do it where people believe him. And where we don't, listen, as a pastor, I want you to hear this. My joys and sorrows get multiplied. Because it's not just my family I deal with. You're my family. So when you're going through a challenge and we're showing up at the hospital to pray for you or you're battling for this or that or that or whatever, I mean, you know, we fight, we're fighting. I mean, we got Chris Krause and our intercessors and I get, I get these things on my phone of all the prayer requests of what's going on. And I mean, you know, we take that seriously because we love you. Like, I love Joe Polanka, and Joe's going through something, and he's hurting. Guess what? I'm hurting. If I'm his friend, I'm hurting. Well, multiply that across our whole family. So here's what happens. When you go through hard seasons, and like we've been through, and, and you're not seeing what you like, it's very easy to get discouraged and hurt and just go, what does it matter? But you know what? I don't think that's what God wants us to do. I think God's wanting to see, are we still going to believe him and trust him? Are we going to press in? And are we going to believe him for greater things, not status quo? Because I'm believing there's still going to be a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I believe soon, in America, and soon, right here at Living Stones. Come on. And so you're holding on to the promises of God. But we've had... We've had situations, tough situations, uh, uh, where folks have lost little ones and things like that, or spouses, and uh, it breaks your heart. But how do you know God is still faithful? God always, that's one chapter of the book, but there's lots more chapters to be, to be written, and you, don't, you never judge it on that chapter. You, you wait till the story's over, amen? Some of you in this room today need a healing touch. I'm looking at my brother right now, healing touch. Father, we just pray, do a miracle in your life right now, a miracle in your life with the situation you need and the turnaround that you need. I don't know what you're going through, but I just pray that the healing power of Jesus would heal you and touch you. And I just pray right now, if, you're, if you need a miracle in this room, I want you to lift your hand. You don't have to get up or anything, just raise your hand. You need, you need God to touch you. You need God to touch you. Father, in this place right now, we just continue. We're not going to be like Zechariah. God, we're not going to act like Zechariah. Lord, your word continues to go out. Your word continues to touch. Your word continues to break chains. And your word continues to heal bodies. And Lord, I pray, let your healing power be released in this house today. Lord, let this be a one-day moment right now. One day I showed up at Living Stones, and one day God did this. One day God moved. One day God heard, and God answered. Lord, let this be a one day. Father, there's hands raised because we love people, family members, friends that are hurting, and, and God need a touch. Some that are on 
on their, uh, on their end of their lives, Lord. If, they, if you don't do something miraculous, Lord, they're not going to make it. So God, we ask you to release your healing power. And God, release your healing presence. And Lord, even today, that creative miracles will begin to break out, even in this place, Lord. God, where we've been hardened with disappointment, I'm asking you, Lord, starting with me, Lord, tenderize my spirit. Let us feel the pain people are feeling, and God, let us be conduits of your presence, Lord. Lord, break the shell off. Some of you, have your heart has become so calloused because of the pain. And I just see the Lord taking your heart like an egg today and just breaking your heart open so it can begin flowing again. You know, sometimes it's when the emotion and the tears begin to flow again and you realize, God, my heart is so, so cold and so hard. God, awaken my heart again. Help me to trust you with childlike faith, Lord, all over again. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, do heart surgery all over this place today. Some of you have grown weary with family situations. Some of you have grown weary wondering, is my son or my daughter going to have an encounter with God? Your heart is so full of hopelessness, and you're tired, and you're weary, and some of you don't know if you can go on. You need to open your heart up again, and you need to ask the Lord to resuscitate your heart and to fill you with faith that the promises of God would explode in your spirit once again. Lord, I pray for resurrections all over this place. Resurrection, Lord, all over this place. Let hearts begin to beat again, Lord. Let passion for Jesus begin to awaken, Lord. We bring you, Lord, the disappointments from the past, the hurts from the past. We lay it in your lap. And Lord, we ask you that you get us unstuck. Some of you are like that garden hose where, where the disappointment came in. That's where there's a crimp in your garden hose. And the problem with that crimp of unbelief is you not only stopped growing and stopped believing at that moment, but you effectively silenced the move of God in your future because you you. You pinched off faith in your heart through unbelief. And God's saying, come on, let, let, the, let go of the cramp. Get, the, get all the kinks out of the hose and let the Holy Spirit begin to flow again. God is not done with you. Our best days are in front of us and not behind us, the Lord says. So some of you, I feel like the heart of God is pleading with you today. To simply say, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. That's what the, the apostles did. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. They opened their hearts to the Lord. And they, they confessed their sin to God. And I believe this. I, I believe God wants to open a whole uh, portal, uh, the favor of God, and open heaven from God over this place. 
that we begin to pray bold, bold prayers and we ask God to do crazy things and we're going to see God do those things. We've already seen it with, with growth and, and with people's lives being impacted and with the Now campaign and all that God did supernaturally. But how many of you know, I want God, when, he, when, when the, the day comes and we stand before him, I want him looking at us going on that day, great job, guys. You're righteous in my sight. Uh, you're full of faith. You're believing me. You're trusting me. And that we all have stories to tell about how God intervened in our lives. If that's you and you're just saying, man, Lord, I, I want a fresh infusion of faith in my heart. I want you just to stand where you're at. I want to say, if you've got disappointments in your heart and you know what they are, you don't have to dig for them. These are, these are wounds. These are deep wounds that have paralyzed you. And they've really caused you to be kind of jaded in your expectation from the Lord. I want you to stand to your feet. If you're willing to give that disappointment to the Lord, just stand in your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, there's probably not a one of us in this room that hasn't wrestled with unbelief, questioning whether you really would come through. It's not that we don't believe, Lord, you can do it. It's we really question whether you will do it. So, Lord, forgive us for unbelief. I, I pray right now, Lord, for everyone standing. I just pray for fresh breakthrough. Lord, you said at, at Lazarus' death, if, if you would believe, you said, you'll see the glory of God. Lord, may we never be short in trusting you and believing you. God, forgive us where we've, where we've put up a wall. Forgive us where we said, I'm too this or too that, or this person's too far gone. God, I pray for the miraculous to be released over the lives of your people, even this week. God, as we're moving into this holiday season, that there would be a bursting forth of breakthrough in, the, in our prayer life and in, and in the answers to those prayers, Lord. And God, that we would see your glory manifested in crazy ways. Lord, thank you for this word today. Thank you for the testimony of Zacharias. Lord, may we not be deaf and dumb. May we not be people who cannot hear you because of our unbelief. May you open our mouths and get us praying again and confessing again and believing again and trusting you again. And God, just awaken our dormant hearts today. And I just want to say this before we leave. Some people have asked me, Pastor, you know, what do you, what, what do you believe is the unforgivable sin the Bible talks about? The unforgivable sin is a sin of unbelief. And there are people here today that Jesus died to save. There are people here today that Jesus wants a relationship with. But the one thing keeping you from receiving the forgiveness that you want is your unbelief. You, you failed to believe that Jesus Christ died for you and that he's your Savior. And your unbelief keeps you separated from God, keeps you guilty in your sin, and will one day separate you eternally from God and you'll spend eternity in hell because of unbelief. That's how serious unbelief is. So I, I pray today, if, if you're here today and you've kept God at arm's length, it's your unbelief that's keeping you from the full blessing and goodness and kindness of God. And you need to just say, I repent today of my unbelief. Jesus, I believe. I choose to believe. And Jesus can come into your life and save you today in a powerful way. For those of us in Christ, I'm not saying that our unbelief keeps us unsaved or keeps us from God, but our unbelief separates us relationally from what God wants to do, and it puts us in a barren desert. And so let's get out of the desert. Let, let's just say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. And I, in fact, I would say every person in this room from a sincere heart can say, Lord, forgive me where I've limited you. Forgive me, Lord, where I've limited you. 
God, take the boxes off of our mind. Lord, help us to dream again. Help us to believe again. Lord, let your promises come alive in our heart, God. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Can you all have a seat real quick? I'm going over, but I just want to say something to you. Let's keep fighting. Amen? Together. We're in a hard season now. We're coming through this season, and we're coming into greater glory. Let's keep fighting. Keep fighting for our families. Keep fighting for healing. Some of you in this room need healing. Let's pray like crazy for people, for God to touch them. And in this holiday season, I mean, you know, there's people all over that are walking in darkness. Let's witness like crazy. Let's bring hope to people. Let's stick our neck out there with people that need a supernatural touch from God. Let's believe God to show up and do what only God can do. Amen. Have an amazing day today. Marriage class at four. I don't think I've forgotten anything else. Hug somebody on the way out. we got a lot of new members. Uh, make sure you welcome them, all right? We love you like crazy. If you need prayer, come on down. We want to stand with you in faith today, all right? In Jesus' name.